Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome and thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage and tonight we will start a brand new series and I know Pastor looks forward to introducing it. As always, if you want to join our conversation tonight or if you'd like someone to pray with, we have call screeners standing by to take your phone calls at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, Thanksgiving is over, and now we're heading full steam ahead toward Christmas, and you actually wrote a new gospel tract for the Christmas season. I did, and I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I did, Pastor. And fellow <laughs> brothers on our panel tonight, Bill, mm-hmm. a longtime friend, member at Heritage Baptist Church, and Brother Dow is here tonight, who is a a friend through the radio. So, Dow, good to have you back with us. Yes, sir. It's always great to have a chat with Pastor Matt. <laughs> I want to just, uh, you know, um, just give uh, bring greetings from Mount Sinai United Christian Church on Staten Island, where the Reverend Dr. Victor Allen Brown is the pastor. Okay. Thank you, Brother Dow, and good to have you with us. But yeah. I did write some tracks, Micah, yeah. and if our listeners would like to get any tracks to pass out for this special Christmas season, they can give us a call at 929-333-3739. We will send them a story of the candy cane track, which is yeah. a seasonal track. That's great. And I think mm-hmm. people will take this track because it's, it's colorful. It has a candy cane on the front of it. Yeah. It's not a, a hard track to read. And it just has some, some similarities between the candy cane and how it reminds us of Jesus. And then we were passing out tracks. We pass out tracks every Tuesday at Grand Central Station. I was, we were passing out tracks one day, and this lady walked by me. She said, you worship three gods. You worship three gods. She said, I worship one god, Allah. And she didn't stop. She was just shouting at me as she walked by. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm going to write a track about the Trinity. Yeah. So mm. I did. I wrote a simple track. You helped me write it as well. You helped me with the title of it. Mm. Are there really three in one? So it's called the Trinity. Are there really three in one? And and it, it's a simple read, but it kind of clearly explains the Trinity, the triunity of God. So we could send that out as well. Yeah. And uh, give us a call, listeners, if you would like to get some tracks. We'll mail some to you. Maybe just a, a stack of maybe yeah. 20, not not a huge amount, right? 20 Get or less. 929 <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear from you yeah. right now. And we do, you know, I have found, Pastor, that people are a little bit more open during the Christmas season. You know, they're more open to listening to the name of Jesus over the radio airwaves, the music in stores. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like this is a good time of year somebody might be a little bit more open to that gospel track. So give us a call if you need some gospel tracks, and we'll send them over to you. They are more open at this time of the year. You know yeah. why? Because even unsaved people, even pagans, even atheists put up a Christmas tree, or they mm. do special things for this season of mm-hmm. the year. Yeah. And, and there's only one reason why people do that, 
and it is because of Christ. Right. Now, I'm not saying that the Christmas tree is, is definitely, you know, it's not anything in the Bible, but it is a recognition of this special time of year. Yeah. So, yes, we're excited about this time. And one last thing, Mike, before we move ahead, mm-hmm. is December 18th, we're going to have a Christmas celebration service at Heritage Baptist Church. Yeah. And we want our listeners also to be be welcomed and know that we'd love to have you come to Heritage Baptist Church on December 18th. We're going to have our choir mini cantata, and we're going to have a pizza and winks meal after the service. So come on out at Heritage Baptist Church. We meet at 490 Hudson Street, and that's on December 18th. We definitely want to meet more listeners. And again, we thank you for listening to our program tonight. Hmm. So, Micah, as you said, we're going to start a new series tonight. Yeah. Bye-bye to Joseph. And we're going to start a new series that you will be sad when we're done with it. But we're just starting it, so you're not sad yet. And yeah. we're going to talk about the I Am declarations of Jesus Christ. And these are beloved passages yeah, of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to look at them. And tonight we're going to do the first one. I call this the, the secret I Am statement Ooh. of Jesus. But I won't tell you what it is. It's the secret one. It's the hidden one. It's the overlooked one. But Jesus often did reveal himself, did he not, with mm-hmm. I am declarations. Yeah. And so we're going to look at them. And I love the Greek word here, too. I'll teach everybody a little Greek right off the bat. I'm not, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I, I'm, I always tell people, look, I don't know Greek very well. So if I could teach you a little bit, then that's, that's good. But here's the Greek for I am. It's ego, I me. Ego, we get our word ego from it. Ego. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. the Greek word, uh, ego. Mm. And I, me, and like me, mm. <laughs> I am, ego, I, me. And so we're going to look at them tonight. But let's first read the scripture. We're going to read John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, going down right down to verse 26. So, Micah, I think you're going to start us yep. off right mm-hmm. now. Okay, so John chapter 4. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir... Give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. 
The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to go worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And there's the I am statement of Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah that speaks to you. So Micah will lead us out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can come to you, Lord, and even worship you in spirit and in truth as we look into the story of your son and his claim to be the Messiah, Lord. So bless our program tonight, bless our conversation, and we thank you, Lord, for our listeners, and we bless them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's the first I am statement. Again, it's a little bit hidden, but it's in the original text. Mm -hmm. And... Of course, they're beloved. I am the resurrection and the life. We'll look at them. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. These are beloved statements of yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So where do they originate from, Micah? Why don't you start us off on this and just kind of give us the background of these statements and their importance? Sure. Well, the first time we see the name I am communicated in the Bible is 2,500 years after creation and a couple hundred years after Joseph died in Egypt, the last story we finished. And it's when the angel of the Lord first speaks to Moses from the burning bush on Mount Sinai, commanding Moses out of the flame, saying, Bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. When Moses asked, But what do I say your name is? When the people ask, Who sent me? God said unto Moses in Exodus 3, 14, He says, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, I remember, Pastor, reading that when I was a kid and thinking, what kind of name is I am that I am? It doesn't even make yeah. any sense. Right. But, of course, the name actually makes perfect sense because even though there's more to it than this, it does speak of God's eternal existence. I am comes from the ber- verb to be, and in Hebrew that word is hava, and it's where we get the name Yehovah, Jehovah, the great I am. Amen. And, you know, and and God reveals himself to Moses mm-hmm. saying, I am that I am. When Moses said to him, to God, who am I? Right. So that's mm-hmm. how we all feel when it comes to serving God. But who am I? Mm-hmm. And the Lord just encouraged Moses. Moses, it's not about, it's not about you. <laughs> who you are. Yeah, it's yeah. about who I am. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Moses had that great sense of inadequacy, a lack of confidence, you know, he felt he wasn't worthy. And guess what? He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are. And, and so we're here to just tell you about the greatness 
of our God. And that's right, Micah. This name does emphasize the character, the eternal character of God. And that name, Jehovah, mm-hmm. is the unutterable, unwritable, incomprehensible name of God. Mm-hmm. Four letters in the Hebrew alphabet, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh or Jehovah. So let's just delve into this a little bit more as far as what does this name, Micah already said one point, we could talk about that a little more, but what does I am when God said to Moses, I am that I am? Micah, what? Mm-hmm. tell us more about what that name itself means. Yeah, well, because the name of God means I am, there's a permanence to it. It's firmly established like a rock. In essence, God is saying, I am immutable. I am unchanging. Yeah. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I remember that verse, Malachi 3, 6, which says in part, for I am the Lord, I change not. So we have to keep that in mind every time Jesus says, I am, that his unchanging attribute is actually built into that statement. Yeah, there's a number of attributes of God built into the statement. Dow, would you like to share another? Yes, when God made the claim that uh, I am the Alpha and the Omega, yeah. the first and the last, mm. <clears throat> this implies that he always was, mm-hmm. always is, and always will be. Amen. I believe he uses this term, excuse me, <clears throat> to... Um, I, I believe he uses this term so that we can grasp his eternity, yeah. his, his eternal existence, because yeah. the human mind really can't comprehend a being that always was and always will be. So I believe he says the first and the last just so that we can uh, recognize uh, who he is. So uh, this is, a, you know, God is not impacted by time, okay? As you see in Second Peter 3, 8, it says a day is as a thousand years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so God is not impacted by time, and uh, excuse me, <clears throat> I think that's why these verses, you know, he says that I am uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, really is just saying that he's all, always was and always will be. Amen. Yeah. That he's immutable. Yeah. I am the Lord. I change not. He's eternal. He's the, he's, he's, he exists outside of, of time, and he is the eternal God. And, uh, Bill, what are some other attributes of God revealed by this great I am statement? Uh, That he's self-existent and all-sufficient. And I think those two things kind of go very well together. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if he created all things, Mm -hmm. that includes time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here we are in the fourth dimension, and we're stuck in this realm and we're, we can't adjust time no matter how powerful we are in terms of our society or how rich we are, whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's anything, there, that there's nothing beyond this dimension. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we used to think about these things and I don't know what's going on with CERN and the Hydro Collider and whatever <laughs> like that, but yeah. I know they're looking into that. There, I know yeah. that that's been something that scientists have been really working on in the last mm-hmm. few decades, but mm-hmm. we don't hear about that. You don't people don't want to talk about that. And mm-hmm. it's that's that's Satan wants us to believe that this existence is all there is. Mm-hmm. And God has been telling us since the first verse of Genesis mm-hmm. that this is not all there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he is self-existent as you said, which means as well that he has life in himself. He doesn't. He didn't get life from anyone, as we said. He's eternal, mm-hmm. and he doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need anything mm-hmm. in order to have 
existence. He is totally, completely self-existent. And he's all-sufficient. That is, he's omnipotent. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He's El Shaddai. That's one of the names of God, speaking of him being all-sufficient for all of our needs. So when Jesus said, I am, he's saying he's the eternal God. Mm. He is the immutable, unchanging God who is totally self-existent and all-sufficient for our needs. And yet he took on human flesh. Mm. So it's the miracle of all miracles. Mm -hmm. Ego, I mean. That's the idea. That is the meaning as we speak of God, of Jesus Christ being I am. So, Bill, in this first statement, as we've said and we've read the passage with Jesus meeting this woman of Samaria at the well. And you you were at the well. This is mm-hmm. where you put the, Are you going to tell us more about I'm that? Talk a little okay, bit all right. I was, I was like, <laughs> wow. Well, I knew you were going to tell us about the well, Mike, because only, you were there. It was only a month ago, so I, I how, could I, how could you, I not? You have to tell us about the well, even yeah. if you told us. Tell us again. I love to hear the story. But Jesus reveals himself to this Samaritan woman, a, a, a Samaritan. That is, she could have had Jewish blood in her, but she was at least partially Gentile. She was not a she was not a full follower of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet she still had a messianic hope. Mm. She said, "We I know that Messiah comes," yeah. and so then Jesus said to her, basically, "I am the one you're waiting for," mm-hmm. and that's an amazing thing, thing. So, Bill, when we talk about the Messiah. What does the Messiah mean, and who who is he revealing himself to be? Well, I mean, it's it's talked about a lot in the Old Testament, and then of course in the New. But there was it's almost like there was a big switch, and I, I you know I I read this passage many times and heard it read, but I'm just catching on where it's saying you know we know what we worship salvation is of the Jews and then he says but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall shall worship the father in spirit and in truth and it's it's funny how there's it's there was once a group of people that was desperately looking and waiting for a messiah Mm -hmm. and now there's almost another group of people but they were both looking for it for freedom from oppression Mm-hmm. and you know various forms of slavery and ultimately that oppression and slavery that Jesus is saving us from mm-hmm. is sin mm-hmm. right right that's our that's been our real unfortunate you know oppression and slavery right yeah, yeah. to everybody well let me just share a verse about the messiah that I love in in Daniel chapter 9 mm-hmm. where these the famous 70-week passage of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 and 26, it tells us about the Messiah and really when he is going to come. It predicts two things about the Messiah in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25, where Daniel says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks, and the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. So without getting into all the details of this, it's basically saying that the Messiah is going to come in his first coming 483 years after the, the streets of Jerusalem have been, will be rebuilt during mm-hmm. the days of Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. So really, we don't know when Jesus is going to come again. 
Right. But it was declared when he was going to come the first time. Yeah. They should have known. The mm-hmm. Jewish people should have known. Yeah. And so Jesus reveals himself as this Messiah who came at the perfectly right time. And then the amazing thing is the next verse. It says in verse 26, and it says, After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people and the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So this verse teaches definitely that mm-hmm. the Messiah had to come before the temple was destroyed in AD yeah. 70. Mm-hmm. Dear Jewish friends out there, believe in Jesus that he's the Christ. He's the anointed one. Mm-hmm. He's the Messiah who will save you from your sins. He had to come before the temple was destroyed. Mm. Yeah, and Pastor, you preached some great sermons about that back when you went through the whole book of Daniel. And if anyone actually is interested, because it, you know, it is sort of complicated, that timing, but if anyone's interested, give us a call and we could send you a link to I those did sermons. Preach, yeah. I, I did yeah. preach an a individual sermon on... 25, 24, 25, 26, and 20. I think I preached four sermons. <laughs> but, it, but they were because great. So if anyone is like, if they what want is to go he back talking to it, about? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can send it to you. But I just think it's so interesting that 2,000 years ago, the Jews and the Samaritans were waiting for this Messiah. And many people today, as Bill said, are still waiting for him because tragically, they missed him the first time. They didn't trust in Jesus like the woman at the well did when he revealed himself to be the anointed one, the Christ. And when the woman said she knew the Messiah was coming, Jesus said, I that speak to thee am he. And in the Greek, Pastor, I'm just going to hit it in case people missed it. In the Greek construction of that sentence, he says, ego I me, yeah. I am. Yeah. So, the, so in the Greek, right. I am is in there. Even though it's harder to see it in the English. It's not as clear in the English. That's why I said it's the hidden I am statement, but it's it's clearly there in the original original Greek text. Another thing we need to say about the Messiah is that Messiah and Christ are synonyms. Mm -hmm. Messiah comes from the Hebrew Mashiach. Mm -hmm. Christ comes from the Greek Christos. They both mean the same thing, anointed one. Mm -hmm. And in Old Testament days, three offices were anointed prophets priests and kings are anointed in the scripture so jesus being the anointed one the messiah Mm. he is the prophet the priest and the king Mm. and i thought as a kid you know i mean what do i know that Christ was Jesus's last name. Like uh. my last name is Wrecker. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't you think his name is Jesus Christ? Yeah. My name is Matthew Wrecker. Yeah. But Christ was not his last name, no. dear friends. Uh-huh. It is his office as the Messiah, the anointed prophet, priest, and king, the one who had to come before the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed in A.D. 70, the one who would be crucified for our sins. Mm. And he's here to save. So, Dow, when Jesus says to this woman, I am the Messiah, here's the big question. Who is the Messiah? Does he have to be God, or is the Messiah merely a man? So, what does the Bible teach about this? The Bible teaches that he's both Mm. uh, God and man. If you look at uh, verses, for example, uh, John 1, 1 and John 1, 3, you clearly see the deity of Christ. But if you look at uh, verses like John 4, 6, it points out his weariness. John 4, 7 points out his thirst. Uh, John 5, 19 points out his dependence. Uh, 11, 35 points out his grief. Um, so you see 
there's, there's the, the deity of Christ, but you also see the humanity. Now, the cults who want to try to tell you that Jesus is not God yeah. will always focus on the um the uh, the human side mm-hmm. yeah uh, and so you see he's not god look at that he's thirsty oh no he's not god he was th- no no that's just the, the, the fact that he's two and one mm-hmm. the god man that's right you know 100 percent man 100 percent god so that's where the cults always want to go and they always want to deny his deity mm-hmm. but they miss the fact that that jesus christ is the god man mm-hmm. that's right and many false teachings have arisen through history about this but jesus christ is one person with two distinct natures. There's no one like him. Mm. He's absolutely unique as Jesus the Christ. Yeah, and Jesus actually posed this very same question to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 22, basically saying, is the Messiah God? He started out by asking them, whose son is the Messiah? And the Pharisees correctly answer, the son of David. But then Jesus asked, well, how then does David call him Lord? which David does in Psalm chapter 110. In other words, how can the Messiah be both David's son and David's Lord? Mm -hmm. Well, the correct answer is that the Messiah is God, but this completely stumped the Pharisees into silence. Matthew 22, 46 says, And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. So Mm -hmm. in their hearts, the Pharisees knew that Jesus had made a logical argument the Messiah had to be God. But because of their pride and desire for power, they were unwilling to admit it to Jesus or even to themselves. And so many people are unable to admit it even today. Mm -hmm. And Jesus stumped the Pharisees with Psalm 110 as well, where it says clearly that the Messiah is both the Lord of David, Mm -hmm. David's God, Mm -hmm. but yet the Messiah is The son of David. And I want to, I got to read this passage too in Psalm 45, because this is quoted also in Hebrews 1.8, where it says that the father calls the son God. And it's in the Old Testament. Jesus, the Messiah, is called God here. So I don't understand either why the Jewish people don't see this, but it's in the, the Old Testament, dear friends, where it says in Psalm 45, Verse 6, thy throne, O God, is forever. Now watch who's speaking here. And actually who's speaking, I'll tell you right up front, it's the Father is speaking to his Son, the Messiah. And the Father calls the Son God. And we'll see this in these two verses. Thy throne, O God, is forever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. That's talking about the scepter of the Messiah. Thou lovest righteousness. That's talking about the Messiah, who is God. Thou hatest wickedness. That's talking about the Messiah, who is God. And he says, therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee. So the Messiah has God, if you will, the Father, Mm -hmm. who has anointed him. Mm -hmm. So the Father is speaking to the Son in these verses, and the Father calls his Son, the Messiah, God, whose throne is forever. Mm. Believe on him, dear friends. Yeah. Amen. So we're talking about Jesus. I am the Messiah. And the Messiah had to fill a lot of prophecies, didn't he? Mm. Yeah. And so let's just kind of scratch the surface. We're just kind of overviewing this subject. And we're going to get into John chapter 4 in just a few moments. But let's just scratch the surface a little bit and talk about some of the prophecies that relate to the Messiah. And Dow, why don't we start it off with you? Some of the prophecies that were that that show the life of Jesus Christ pre-written in the Old Testament. 
Okay, you can uh, see uh, Genesis 49.10, which reads, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and until him shall the gathering of the people be. So this is a clear statement that the Messiah will come through Judah, through That's the, tri right. through the yeah. tribe of Judah. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, though, when you look at the numerous uh, Old Testament prophets, how the prophets never say the name of Jesus, but they give prophecies that only Jesus can fulfill. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. I was having a discussion with a guy one time, and he said, oh, no, no, the, the, none of them said Jesus in the, in the Old Testament. I said, you're right, but you look at everything that the requirements that it would take, only Jesus could fulfill it. Mm, so clear, right. clearly Jesus is the, uh, is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Micah, would you share another prophecy? Yeah, well, there's actually several prophecies that relate to the Messiah as ancestor King David's son. You know, one is that he would be born in the city of David, Bethlehem, the same village where David was born and where he was anointed by Samuel to become king. So Micah 5.2 says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And, you know, frankly, this being the place of Jesus' birth, it was a miracle. Because his parents lived in Nazareth, 70 miles north of Bethlehem, and his mother Mary never would have traveled that mm. long distance while she was nine months pregnant, except that God had orchestrated a census to be taken at that exact time Jesus was to be born. So this was a fulfillment of that prophecy in Micah, and it was also proof that Jesus was from the ancestral line of David, which leads to another messianic prophecy. God promised King David that his descendant would be the Messiah, would sit on the throne of Israel forever, and that's in Second Samuel seven twelve through 13, and it had to be the Messiah, because it had to be God, because unlike a human king, God said the Messiah's throne would be eternal. Yeah, and a lot of people have this idea, oh, there were all these false messiahs in the first century, yeah. mm -hmm. and, and that Jesus is just another false messiah. But no other false messiah was born in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. No other false messiah was of the line of Judah and the family of David, and we could go on yeah. to the, all the miraculous fulfillments, or, or born of a virgin. Dow, you were going to say Right, right, the, the, the virgin birth. I mean, only um, who but God could have... Uh, made an accurate prediction 700 yeah. years in advance that the Messiah would be born to a virgin. That's yeah. impossible. It's a miracle. Y y you know, and then you have some people that say, oh, a virgin birth? Nah, I just can't believe a virgin birth. But yeah. think about it. The God that spoke the whole universe into existence, I don't think a virgin birth is a big big thing yeah, for a no. God that can do that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Brother Bill, share a few of you the prophecies about Messiah you love. So uh, Isaiah 53 is certainly mm. full of a lot. Um, you know, when when Jesus was saying to his closest followers, his closest friends on this earth, his his disciples, and he was explaining that he would have to die, and they were freaked out. They were like, "What are you talking about? Don't, yeah. No, don't don't talk like that." Mm -hmm. And of course, the people, uh, the greater people who were waiting for a Messiah. Were, were waiting for someone who they saw as being uh, a conqueror mm -hmm. who would establish a new you know kingdom mm -hmm. for them and be their king mm -hmm. and people today they can't so you know if if Jesus is God, how is he murdered mm -hmm. and that was two thousand where has he been for two thousand years yeah. and but here in you know and I, the one that jumps out the most is one you hear a lot is he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Mm -hmm. 
the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes are we healed. So he, his, despite his, uh, you know, deity and his perfectness and his multi-dimensional, uh, you know, being fully God and fully man, he knew his whole purpose of being here was to be the sacrifice mm-hmm. for our sins to to free us from the oppression that's within all of us yeah. equally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we, if we argue about all the different, you know, different people in different times and from different places have had different, you know, some people have very nice lives, yeah. lives in this life. Yeah. And some people have had really rough ones. Uh-huh. But we all have the same temptation of sin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like Jesus said, uh, it's really hard to escape that sin if you're really wealthy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were talking before the show started about, um, you know, Jesus came for the people who are the outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's that's one of the and then, and then the other one that jumps out that that uh, Zechariah um, chapter 11, verse 13. And the Lord said, oh, geez, I missed it. I'm sorry. Uh, I have it here. Um and the Lord said, "Cast it unto me, or uh, said unto me, cast it unto the potter, a goodly price, that I was price set of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them into the potter in the house of the Lord. And thirty pieces of silver was what Judas was given mm. so specific. to Amen. sell out Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And and then I'll just give this one as as a close in Isaiah thirty-five. The work of the Messiah is prophesied, and uh, no, no one could have done this by accident because it says the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Hmm. Who who did that but Jesus? Yeah, the ears Jesus. of the deaf shall be unstopped. Hmm. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. Even if one person did one of those things, it would be astounding. Hmm. But Jesus did all of them, all of them, dear friends. The Messiah had to fulfill prophecies like this, and we could go on and on. So... Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a song, dear friends, and we want to have you call us right now at 929-333-3739. If you have questions about your salvation, if you have questions about who Jesus Christ is, give us a call right now that we could talk to you, that we could pray with you. And if you would like to receive some free tracks from us, we have some seasonal track, a nice Christmas seasonal track called The Story of the Candy Cane. Give us a call. We'd like to put some in the mail to you. Absolutely free. We're not asking you to send us anything we want to be a blessing to you give us a call right now at 929-333-3739 and here's a song that reminds me of the samaritan woman we're going to talk about her on the other side of this song a broken woman a woman cast out cast down and she went to look for water and she found the living water the messiah jesus christ who told her everything she ever did. There's a stream of precious mercy meant for lost and desperate souls. Long I heard of its existence, how it made the broken whole. Though my
And that's a fact, dear friend, and we want you to know that he loves you and he will save you tonight if you call on him and ask. So we're going to talk now, go into John chapter 4, and look at how Jesus reveals himself to the Samaritan woman as I am the Messiah. So, Bill, why don't we start it off with you? And in John chapter 4, just in verses 10 through 14, say, we're going to talk, let's look at the first way Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah to this Samaritan woman. Well, let's see. I guess it's the first place. Um, when he just says, I am the, in the, I am the living water? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that reminds me of, um, what is it, in Jeremiah uh, chapter 2, verse 13, where he is saying, where Jeremiah was saying, uh, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewned, th- hewed out... Hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Mm-hmm. So this God-man who was broken for us mm-hmm. is the source of what we ultimately need to live, mm-hmm. as opposed to anything that we can make for ourselves or attain mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. That's right. And Jeremiah chapter 2, it is the Lord who is the fountain of living waters that has been forsaken. And Jesus said, I am that living water. Yeah, and Pastor, you mentioned that That's good, <laughs> when, I, when I was in Israel, I was able to drink out of Jacob's well, an ancient Shechem, now called Nablus, and the water was cool and refreshing because it came from a hole 120 feet deep into the earth. Now, cold water is nothing special to modern man, right? I have ice in my freezer. I have a water filter in my fridge. But let's remember for a second that for this Samaritan woman, she had neither ice nor a refrigerator. Mm. Cool water from this well was life-giving, especially since the woman came at the sixth hour. That was noon. It was in the heat of the day. Mm. And that's the comparison that Jesus was making here. Life for this woman probably felt like trudging through a desert with the heat of the sun beating down on her. And she was desperate for refreshment and cool water. Well, Jesus was that cool water, but for her soul. And his refreshment would be permanent. It reminded me of Isaiah 58:11, which says, And the Lord God shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Amen. And Isaiah chapter 12, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song and has become my my salvation therefore with joy draw water out of the wells of salvation mm. so jesus says i'm the well yeah. i i can be your song mm. i can be your strength i am i can be your salvation and you know it's kind of the the bible does have some humor in it because <laughs> she's like oh really you're the she doesn't understand him yeah. she thinks he's just speaking in a physical realm mm-hmm. and she says wow if you're this then give me some water so i don't have to come to come to this well anymore <laughs> yeah. it's just like i don't want to have to in other words she wants jesus to give her a shortcut but jesus doesn't just come to give us physical shortcuts mm-hmm. in life he comes to give us salvation and eternal life dear friends so come to him so jesus reveals to this woman that he's the messiah the living water and then we sec- we see secondly bill in john chapter 4 and, and 15 through 19 the next way jesus reveals himself as the messiah how does he reveal himself to her as the messiah here well 
the woman was obviously in awe of the fact that he knew about her, you know? I mean, he knew that she had five husbands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this made her focus on her moral needs. Yeah. And so um, this woman was an outcast. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Samaritans were an outcast people, mm -hmm. but she was an outcast of the outcast because mm -hmm. she was at the well alone because in the um, ancient times in, in, in the Mediterranean area, the gathering of water by the women, it was a big social event. So if there was a woman alone there, that showed that she was an outcast. And Jesus Christ, he cares for the outcast. He cares for the lepers. Mm -hmm. And he cares for the outcast today mm -hmm. so that we can right. take that. And if, if there's a person that might feel that they're an outcast, well, know that Jesus yeah. Christ loves you and he cares about you. Yeah, absolutely. That's good, Dal. And we do reach out to you, dear friends. If you are, if you feel an outcast, maybe from your family, maybe you've just gone through some devastation on your job. You've been cast out of a job, perhaps, and lost your job. Or maybe you've just been devastated in your marriage and have been cast out uh, by your husband or your wife in your marriage. And you are feeling down and, and put out outside let Jesus draw you to himself. He knows all about you. Mm -hmm. And he knew all about this woman. Yeah. And yet he was still waiting for her. And he knew there was a divine appointment to meet her. Mm. And he would save this dear woman in spite of the fact that she had married five different men and was living with a sixth man who wasn't her husband. Mm. Whoa, that would really blow me away if somebody knew all that about me. Yeah. <laughs> so the third way... Not only does Jesus... Oh, I'm sorry, Mikey. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you know, I was just... Well, I was going to mention, talking about the husband, you know, one thing that always strikes me about this story is that it is the culmination of this pattern of Gentile brides being revealed at a well after a long journey. So uh, let me just go through a couple of these. Oh. So Isaac's wife, Rebecca, was revealed at a well in Mesopotamia to Abraham's servant who was sent on a journey to find Isaac a bride. And then Isaac and Rebecca's son, Jacob, met his wife, Rachel, at the well after taking that same long journey. Moses met his Gentile bride, Zipporah, at a well after traveling all the way from Egypt to Midian. And then here in John 4, verse 6, it says, Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. So this perfect bridegroom, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, meets his Gentile bride at the well after a weary journey. And Jesus seeked her out intentionally. Scripture says he must needs go through Samaria. So isn't it incredible that Jesus went out of his way to find this adulterous, outcast, as Dow said, Gentile woman mm. to save her. But as he's doing this, it's because he simultaneously, he's seeking us, his true Gentile bride traveling all the way from heaven to earth to save us. And so, dear friends, we are here tonight to introduce you to the Messiah mm. who knows all about you, yeah. who knows the very worst things about you and me and loves us anyway. Mm. And he says, come to me and I will give you the drink of the living water of salvation. I know everything about you, but I love you. Mm. Give us a call right now if we can share Jesus with you mm. at 929-333-3739. We want to be a help encouragement to you tonight. So a third way that Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah to this woman is about worship, Micah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 
in verses 20 to 24, mm-hmm. he, he, he speaks to her about worship. And she actually changes the subject. I, I think he's like, it was kind of yeah. uncomfortable when yeah. he started talking about her. The, yeah. the guy she was living with yeah. that was, let, let's change the subject. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, there's a mountain here, you know. So <laughs> She does. So she starts to speak to Jesus about worship instead of her love life. And she asks if the mountain that the Samaritans worship is the correct one or if Jerusalem is the place to worship. And as an Old Testament concept, God did require that his people worship in certain places. So first he commanded Moses to set up the tabernacle in the wilderness, which traveled with the Israelites as they wandered. And then Solomon finally built a permanent tabernacle, the temple in Jerusalem. But Jesus tells this woman that, you know what? You don't even know what you're worshiping. The Jewish people do have that part correct. Salvation is of the Jews, he says. Mm. But Jesus also says that the, to the woman that the hour comes and now is when worshiping God will no longer be centered on a place. Worship will now happen in the believer's heart, in spirit and in truth, and not on some mountain. Yeah, and this is not politically correct. No. To tell somebody who's sincere in their worship, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, did you want to I mean, I just I think it's a it's a merciful thing to do. You're telling people, yeah. you know, uh the, the way to life uh, as opposed to yeah. death, you know? Mm-hmm. That's right. If somebody's worshiping a false god, they yeah. need to be lovingly told you're not worshiping the true god. And Jesus is correcting her idolatrous view. So he, he he started correcting her immoral ways, mm-hmm. and she changed the subject. Yeah. And now he's correcting her idolatrous views. Uh, and, and when I say idolatrous, too, I'm thankful, aren't you, that the worship of God is not contained mm-hmm. to a, a particular place mm-hmm. at a particular time, mm-hmm. but that we worship God as even as it says in spirit and truth Mm -hmm. we can worship God anywhere we are wherever we are Mm -hmm. because God is spirit and we have a human spirit and we worship God from our spirit Mm -hmm. you know and and that's a beautiful thing another thing I will say here he corrected her faulty view of worship Mm. but think of how Jesus received worship Mm. so Jesus understood how God was to be worshiped Mm -hmm. And Jesus never corrected anyone for worshiping him. Right. Which shows he is God. He is God. That's right. Mm. And he, so when people worship him, you say, oh, no, you're, you're supposed to worship God. No, he is God. Mm. So we can worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, mm-hmm. dear friends. So we do have a phone call, and uh, it's Donna May. Thank you for calling Donna May, and you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. Oh, oh. here you go. Hey, Donna May, how you doing? Yes, Donna Lee. Oh, Donna Lee. Lee. Oh, yes, Donna Lee. How you doing? Oh, fine. Are you still on 23rd Street? Yes. (laughs) Oh, you don't know how wonderful it is to talk to you, Pastor Record. Oh, and I love you, too. I just want you to know there's something that came up in my heart about the, the question I have about the living water. Can I get this living water from Jacob's Well in America? There's the... Holy Land of America. There's a what? A whole... Holy Land of America. My mother-in-law took me and my husband there at one point in, in uh, Washington State or somewhere, or, or Falls Church, Virginia. I'm not sure exactly okay. where. I have good news for you, Donnelly. You can get the yes? living water right here in New York City. Mm-hmm. 
the yeah. living water is in Jesus Christ. That's right. The living water is not, and we're not talking about a physical well of water. We're talking about the living water of salvation that is in Jesus right. Christ. And we access the living water of Jesus by faith mm-hmm. through his word and by his spirit when we rejoice in who he is. Yeah, and Donna, I, I was... Um as I mentioned, I actually was in Israel last month, and I had water from Jacob's well. <laughs> but, you know, it was great water. It tasted Did good. you get thirsty nice since cool. then? Did, did you, I, I, <laughs> I got thirsty about an hour later because it was hot. So it's that living water that Jesus said. And I, I said, oh, my goodness, may I get this living water as yeah. it is called? <laughs> yeah, well, oh Jesus my. said, I have something better than the water that's mm. in that well. I have the living water. So it's a spiritual, it's something spiritual that we can all have. And you have access to it just as much as we do, Donald. Don't need a thermos. Don't need a cup. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So and, much. and, yeah, here I it is. Thank you for reminding me because um, I, I'm just thanking God because the water we have in New York City is, is the physical water. Sometimes it's so polluted. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come to me mm. and drink. So yep. just you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, satisfy my thirst. And you know, the idea of that, Donna Lee, as well, is when you go to Jesus and he saves your soul, he saves you from sin and he takes you to, and he gives you eternal life. And you, you know Jesus as your savior, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Do you seek any other religions? Do you go to the Hindu religion for for salvation? Do you go to Islam for salvation? Do you go to Jehovah no. Witnesses or more? No, we don't. Go, we don't have to go there at all. We don't thirst from those places at all because Jesus has satisfied us and given us the assurance that He is the Messiah who saves us. So, Donnelly, great to hear your voice again tonight, <laughs> and thanks for listening, Donnelly. And I hope that you'll keep You're on welcome. listening. Okay, okay, and good night. God bless you. Love you. Love you, sister. God bless you. You keep walking with the Lord. We have known Donna Lee a long time uh, from 23rd Street because our church started on 23rd Street just like across the the street from over where where Donna Lee lives over there. So we're talking about worship. Why don't we just close this out tonight a little bit talking about worship and how Jesus, as the Messiah, we talked about he's fully God, fully man, worthy of our worship. He gives us the living water. He's omniscient. He knows all things about us. So we, wor- we worship him. So, Bill, what is worship, and how are we to worship according to this passage of Scripture? Keep him, uh, his creation, his kingdom, his work uh, at the forefront of our mind, no matter what we're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's a, a good guide, and certainly to, to read, uh, preferably every day. Mm. You know, it just uh, it helps set our mind, you know, um, what's the old song? Stayed upon Jehovah. Yeah. You yeah. know, hearts Stayed are upon. fully blessed. Amen. It's, it's, you yeah. know, we just start each day that way. Yeah. And and in John 4 and verse 24, Jesus, in speaking to this woman, she's, uh, he said to her, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when it says in spirit, that's talking about our spirit, from mm-hmm. our inner spirit, mm-hmm. that we worship God who is spirit. And we must worship God in truth. That is with genuine sincerity, but worship God based on who he is and not our own imagination of what we want God to be, but based on the truth mm-hmm. of who God is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I just think, you know, Jesus is our Messiah. He's our bridegroom, and he deserves yeah. all our devotion. And the more we know about him, the more we're going to give him that devotion in worshiping him. And we should all be like the woman of Samaria. She believed, and then you know what she did? She went out to proclaim Jesus to her friends and her neighbors. And we didn't get to John 4:35, but Jesus says, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He wanted people to go out and tell other people about him. Mm-hmm. Down. I worship Jesus Christ because he got up from the grave. No Amen. other uh, religious figure ever did that. Amen. Amen. That's it, brother. Thank you. He is alive, dear friends, and he will satisfy your soul. He said, I am the one you're looking for. I remember before I was saved, there was a, st- there was a song I used to listen to by Jackson Brown called For Every Man. And it's basically like we all need this every man. Jesus is that every man. He is the Messiah. He is the one you're looking for. So come to him. Let him fill you. Let him save you. Good night. Thank you, Dow. Thank you, Bill. God bless, Micah. Have a great week. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.